We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Hello, and welcome everybody. Uh, glad to be here addressing another one of your questions that you've sent in. And so we'll dive right into it. This one, it doesn't start necessarily with a question or with a specific passage, but it's kind of a discussion that they wanted us to have about what is the real history of the Church of Christ. Like, where did the Church of Christ come from, if we wanted to phrase it as a, as a question? All right. Now, I think when people ask this question... Mm-hmm. Different people have different things in mind. Probably. When, when some people ask this question, they, they are saying, where did the modern-day church that calls itself Church of Christ the come who, from? The ones who put that on their sign. <clears throat> right. Yeah. When, when I hear that question from a biblical stand fit, tan, standpoint, I'm trying to answer the question, where does Christ's biblical church come from? Okay. Which I think... That's what we're supposed to be trying to be. So I want to answer that question. Okay. Maybe we can weave a little bit of both of them together. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. So church history goes back to the beginning in Matthew 16. Okay. When Jesus was at Caesarea Philippi and he was asking his disciples uh, who who people were saying he is. Some Mm -hmm. said he was John the Baptist reborn and some said he was Elijah reincarnated and some said he was Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Then he said to his apostles, but you guys, who do you say that I am? Right. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, the Christ meant the anointed one, the king, the one God had chosen to be king. Mm-hmm. So Jesus said, you're right. And he said, upon this rock, <clears throat> excuse me, upon this rock, in other words, upon the fact that I am the one that God has chosen to be king and to rule over everything, upon that fact, I'm going to build my church. Yeah. On the statement, not the person. Well, the the statement or the fact, meaning that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the King that's going to rule over us. Mm -hmm. On that fact, Jesus was going to build what he calls my church. That's Mm -hmm. Jesus' church. That's Christ's church. Church. Okay? And he said there in that same passage, I think we're going to have another question on this. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Yeah, I think the person who addressed this will probably come back a little bit later to that. Yeah, but but that simply means that death was not going to keep Jesus from building his church. In other words, gathering a group of people who would accept him as master, lord, and king Mm -hmm. of their lives. It's interesting that... This was future tense. Jesus hadn't accomplished that yet. He hadn't died and risen from the dead yet. Very true. But the Pentecost sermon in Acts 2, at the end of that sermon, makes almost the identical point of Peter's confession. Mm -hmm. Acts 2, verse 36. Okay. Conclusion of Peter's lesson on Jesus and his death and his resurrection. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know this one thing for sure, that God has made this Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord 
and Christ. Mm -hmm. He's the master. He's the king that rules over all things. Yeah. And at that point, he has made him that. Yes. So yeah. if we accept that about Jesus, that he's going to be the king, the master of our life, mm -hmm. then how do we do that? What are we supposed to do? Well, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those people that did that constituted Jesus's church. Right. Um, the, they were added to them about 3,000 souls, Acts 2.41. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the Lord added to them day by day those that were being saved, Acts 2.47. Yep. So those people became the church of Jesus that he was talking about back there in Matthew 16, verse 18. Right. And so a lot of churches... <clears throat> that had the name Church of Christ on it. And some other ones, they'll usually have a, kind of a cornerstone somewhere, and it'll say something like, established on the day of Pentecost or something. Right, and, and that's because we are trying to be, at least mm -hmm. at least some of us are, and I'm, I'm not convinced that all people today who have that sign are really trying to be the New Testament church anymore. Mm -hmm. But... I'm answering for, for us, for myself, we're trying to be the church that we read about in the New Testament uh, by following the best we can the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. Sure. And as you read through the book of Acts, it keeps talking about this group of people that was established on Pentecost. Yeah. And like in Acts 4, verse 4, it says uh, the number of men came to be about 5,000. Mm-hmm. And then in Acts uh, 5, <clears throat> what is it, verse 12 or 14, it says, more and more people believed in the Lord and were added to their number. What verse mm -hmm. is that? Uh, verse 12. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then if you go to Acts 6, verse 7, this is another summary statement of that group that began on Pentecost. Read it mm -hmm. for us there. And so the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. All right, so the disciples in Jerusalem were the ones that had become obedient to the faith, starting at yep. Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And that group constituted the church at Jerusalem, because if you go to chapter 8, mm -hmm. verse 1, at the paragraph break there. Yeah. Uh, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. All right, so all of a sudden he's talking about the church at Jerusalem, but if you've read the first several chapters of Acts, mm -hmm. the only group he can be talking about is that group that began right, at, Pentecost. at Pentecost. <clears throat> so Christ's church, or the one that was built upon the fact that he is the king and the master and the Lord of all things and people submitting to that, it's the one that began in Jerusalem and continued through the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. Okay, And we can read about some characteristics of that church in the book of Acts. And as we try to imitate those characteristics, we try to be that church. That's what we mean by the church of Christ. However, the New Testament church... It had a lot of names. Well, actually... Or it um, was called different things. Now, there, that's better. It there didn't really have a proper name. Yes. But there were a number of descriptions of it. Mm -hmm. Now, I think, all you people out there, that it would be healthy for us if we learned to call God's church different things 
biblical things, but different things. Now, in in um, go to Romans 16. Okay. This, this one is our favorite because it uses the term we're most comfortable with. Sure. Romans 16, verse 16. He's been talking about Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's been talking about Jewish and Gentile Christians who wouldn't treat each other right. <clears throat> and so start with 16 there. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sorry. All right. So he's kind of at the <clears throat> tail end of all his greetings. And he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. All right. All the churches of Christ would be all over the Roman Empire. Right. So the churches of Christ, Christ's churches, churches. Christ's Christ groups in all these different cities mm-hmm. <clears throat> were called the churches of Christ, meaning they were assemblies of people that belonged to Jesus Christ. Right. That submitted to Jesus Christ. It was, it was more <clears throat> a statement of ownership than it was name on a building sort of right thing. right now look at first corinthians turn the page and look at first corinthians 1 verse 2 okay and then it says to the church of god in corinth to all those sanctified in christ jesus and called to be holy together with those everywhere who call on the name of our lord jesus christ their lord and ours all right so here he calls god's church or christ's church at corinth Mm-hmm. He calls it the Church of God, which is at Corinth. It's God's church. It's Christ's church. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but Church of God is no less a description of the sure. New Testament church than Church of Christ is. Right. Now I'll throw you a curve. Go to First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Chapter 1 and verse 1. And start out I'll right there. Past it. First Thessalonians 1 and which verse? 1 and 2. 1 so. and 2. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. All right, notice this. To the church of the Thessalonians. Thessalonica was a Macedonian city in the northern part of Greece. Mm-hmm. The word church means group or gathering. So the gathering, the assembly of the Thessalonians, which is in God mm-hmm. and in Christ. <clears throat> so people who are in Christ, mm-hmm. they make together. up the church. Right. The gathering that is in Christ. It's a group of people that are in Christ. Jed, how, did, how do you get into Christ? Oh, goodness. Now now we're into a lot longer discussion of no, different things. No, we're really we're on the same page here. Okay. So we get into Christ by being baptized into him. All right. So, so when we're taught the gospel and we learn that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead and that we have to submit to him, mm-hmm. then like Peter said, we turn to God and we're baptized into Christ. Right. Then if that's true, then we become part of that group of people that is in Christ. Right. Which is pretty much what Thessalonians says, the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God and in Christ. Yeah. So a church or the church that we read about in the New Testament is people that are in Christ. They've been baptized into Christ. So we're we're really still answering the person's question. And it's still at this point, there's not a place that it's like, in the Bible, we could say this was the name they had above the door. Right. There thing. were different descriptions of the same church. Mm-hmm. That's key point here. And the church being a group of people. Yes. I think that's something in our modern language we get really caught up in. It's, well, what church do you belong to? And we're talking about 
a building, like a place that we Well, we're talking about more than a building. We're talking about a theological structure and a set of doctrines. So we need to make very clear that... Maybe that's even a third distinction, because I think some people don't even get that far in their... When they ask this question. Well, they may not. But if if we're talking about being the New Testament church and mm-hmm. Paul talking to the church at Rome and the rest of the churches of Christ or sure. the church of God at the Corinth, these were not different denominations with different doctrines and yeah. organizations. This is crucially the, important. They had the same beliefs and the same person and the same things. That is right. And that's crucial to answering this question yeah. on the video is we're talking about a uniformity of belief and practice to a large degree that we have in the New Testament church. Mm. Not just different theologies. Who laid down those things, I think, gets to be a big thing. Well, and and that's crucial, too. You know, Jesus laid these things down and then sent his apostles out to teach them. Mm. And he said, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And that church in Acts 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Mm -hmm. All right? So the teachings of the apostles, like Peter, Paul, and the rest of them we read about in Acts and in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. those teachings which they had passed to them by Jesus and the Holy Spirit, those became the theological basis of practice and belief in the early church. And it was vitally important to those men and to the people around them, because we get that account in Acts about how they had to add to their number after Judas had died, that they said, we need someone who walked with us, who was with Jesus along the way. Right. And Uh, then the Holy Spirit came on them to guide them into the truth mm -hmm. so that they could teach people what he wanted them to be taught. Key, Key scripture here. Go to Ephesians. We're still talking about Mm -hmm. the church, the New Testament church. Ephesians 2, verse 20. 2 and 20. All right. That's on my page break. Start with 19. Okay. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Okay, the church is called God's household, and it's built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Hmm. Go over to chapter 3 of Ephesians, verses 3 through 5, and the reason we're going to read that is Paul's telling them how that works. If you're a member of the church, how that works. How are the apostles connected with us? Read it there. Okay. So that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. All right. If you go back to verse 3. How did Paul get the mystery of Christ? What does he say in verse 3? How did he get it? He got it by revelation. All right. Then what does he say that he did with that revelation? Uh, Once he got the revelation, he began writing it. and He He wrote it down. And then what did he say in verse 4 about what you and me are supposed to do? We're able to gain insight about that mystery after we read it and understand it. Wait a minute. We've got to read uh-huh. yeah. what he wrote down. Because he got it from 
God. So God revealed it to the apostles. They wrote it down. When you and I read what the apostles wrote, Mm -hmm. then we can understand it like they did. And then he makes it clear in verse 5 that Mm -hmm. in other generations, this was not made known as now it has been revealed to who? To the prophets and the apostles. That's it. And that's why the church is built upon the apostles and prophets, because God revealed his will and his instructions to them. And then we read it and we do what they say. Yep. All right. So I'm with you. If we're going to be the church of God or the church of Christ, mm-hmm. then we need to read what the apostles have written by revelation and we need to do what they say. Okay. What if we completely depart from what they say? Then we're not the church of Christ. That's what we're talking about right there. That's what we're talking okay. about. Now, this idea, Jed, <clears throat> some people say this is old hat, this idea that we've just laid out there. Sure. It's old hat enough that we don't talk about it anymore. Yeah, but if we <laughs> talked it about it more, maybe that... we would understand it more. I agree. See? I agree. <clears throat> now, where people, I think, get a little bit discouraged is some churches who say that they are churches of Christ not only want to follow the actual teachings of the apostles and prophets that we find in the New Testament, but they want to add their own traditions and laws on top of that and make those requirements Mm. too. Yeah. And that's a big, fat no-no. And it can cause a lot of problems. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. So so really, um, the church of Christ was established through the death and resurrection of Christ. When the gospel was preached, people Mm -hmm. submitted themselves to Christ by repenting and being baptized into Christ. And then as they followed the teachings of Christ, as revealed to the apostles and prophets in their moral life and their worship life, whatever, were the church of Christ, also called the church of God. And Mm -hmm. Hebrews 12, 23, the church of the firstborn ones whose names are enrolled in heaven and whatever else, you know, the household of God. Mm -hmm. But as you pointed out earlier, it wasn't, all these passages aren't about different denominations. They're about the same group of people that was described in different ways. Yeah, because at the Sermon on Pentecost, he didn't then stand up and say, and we will head out from this point and be known as, and then presented something for them to all call themselves. I mean, they were really having to figure it out along the way with the theology they had on hand. Right. So it's not just the sign on the building. Um, It's not that what we call ourselves is not important. Mm -hmm. I think we should call ourselves something that the Bible calls us. Sure. And so I think a lot of people, when they're hearing this discussion, they're going to go, okay, that's all great and all, but if I'm out there trying to pick a church to be in sort of thing, if I'm I'm picking a congregation of people that I want to worship with, uh, and, you know, the Church of Christ as a name that's on the board is something I recognize, but I want to know where it came from. How can they trace their lineage back? And, you know, if you pull out a history book, you're not going to find that name itself go back that far. No. Well, you so, will. You will. In fact, um, in some of the church fathers, the earliest church fathers, uh, it's often to it's often referred to as the Church of Christ, mm. but they do mean by that the church that started with Jesus and the apostles. Yeah. Now, 
there have been changes that men have made that have changed what it was in the New Testament. Uh, but um, you could call it more than just that one thing. Yeah. People that call themselves the Church of God do not have an unbiblical name. Mm-hmm. It's possible that they may be doing some unbiblical things. Same but, as people in the Church of Christ. Right, but, yeah. but, it, but, it's, but it's, it's not just the description on the sign, it's what's actually going on. There we go. Yeah, yeah, and I think that bothers a lot of people. Is, yeah, is they, and in a perfect world, it would be nice if you could see the name on the door, and always know what's going to be inside. Right. But but it, you don't. Yeah, it's going to be different for a lot of different places. So you need to check it out, and you need to see what's going on and compare it to scripture. Look at Acts seventeen eleven, brother Jed. Okay. And this is right next to the church at Thessalonica. There was a little little town called Berea, and Paul preached to them too. What does it say? Okay. So Acts 17, 11, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So if you go somewhere and you're checking someplace out, you should examine the scriptures to see if what they're saying and doing is really yeah. true by the scriptures. Okay. <clears throat> so does, like, let's, for our own sakes and for our background as, you know, we're ministers here at the Broadway Church of Christ and, and that sort of thing, do we still have any tie-in to, like, the Stone Campbell? Do we pay allegiance to those men for any particular reason? Or is our heritage based on that? Because... You know, if people dig into the Church of Christ, those are kind of the names they're going to find. Alexander and Thomas Campbell were members of the uh, Presbyterian Church in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And um, they began to read their Bibles and discover that there were things that the Bible said that they were not doing or things that their group was teaching that, that they thought contrary to the Bible. And they just simply were a couple of guys that said, look, we need to go back to doing what the Bible says and just being the Bible church. Yeah. And they called themselves by different names. But they were part of what we come to call the restoration movement, simply meaning they were trying to restore a New Testament Christianity. Yeah. So the idea that they had, the concept that they had about being New Testament Christians and just getting back behind all this mass of human tradition that's been added to the New Testament, we hold that idea in common with them. Yeah. Uh, they were seekers of the New Testament church like we're seekers of the New Testament church. Sure. <clears throat> there have been others in other ages that have been trying to do that to greater and lesser degrees of success in one way or the other. But it's that common idea, which is not even just a New Testament idea. You know, you go back to the Old Testament to the time of <laughs> Hezekiah, yeah. who tried to go back to keeping God's law. Mm -hmm. Or Josiah, who found the old book of the law, the temple, and it had gone so far from God's law, he tried to restore yeah. the practice of God's law. Well, we would be in the same, maybe the same category as people that are trying to do that. Okay. So it's not necessarily that we would be built upon the ideals of those men. 
Yeah, because they are but, human like anybody else and had good and bad ideas, but the concept that they put forward yeah. is a valid biblical concept that we try to go back to that. And, you know, there were, there were people from various religious denominations over the, over the past that said, hey, we want to get behind this stuff that people have added to the Bible and get back to the Bible itself. Yeah. Those have been the people that kind of capture this idea that we have in, the, in the, what we call the churches of Christ to just be the New Testament church. So would it be a fair statement to say <clears throat> that we still aren't perfect at carrying all Absolutely. this out? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, totally. Yeah. So as, as like a body of believers, we are trying to get as close to this as possible. And every once in a while, we still struggle against our own human interpretation. Sure. We're, we're trusting in God's grace as we try to do this, and we're certainly not perfect. Yeah. And I think, you know, anyone who's heard of the Church of Christ for a long time, you know, the most common thing labeled against, leveled against us is, well, y'all think you're perfect and you're the only ones going to heaven. Yeah, and we do some, not think we're perfect. It's something about we walked in this building and we're good. No, that's yeah. wrong. That's not true. There, you know, whether there are people that think that, that's not the biblical truth. Yeah. The biblical truth, though, is that we need to be in Christ and we need to be his people as described in the New Testament so that we walk in his grace so that we can go to heaven. Very good. I'm with you. All right. I, I think that followed through really well. Um, and, and like I say, the person who had written it in had kind of hit on the begin, the end of that passage we started with, you know, about the gates of hell not prevailing against it. And so you you referred to that, but just kind of as a reminder what does that mean for the church as a whole? The concept of, of uh, uh, Hades, it's really Hades, not hell. Uh, the concept of death in the early days was death was the... Re- people who died went to the world of the dead, which was Hades. Mm-hmm. And their kind of mythological notion was that when you pass through these gates of Hades or the gates of death, those gates of death closed and you never came back out of those gates anymore. Yep. It's a metaphorical type thing. Okay. And Jesus was saying that he was going to die and he would pass through the gates of Hades, as it were, into the world of the dead, mm-hmm. but that those gates would not keep him from raising from the dead and accomplishing the building of his church yeah. in Acts chapter 2. So it's just a reassurance to his disciples at the time where he's saying, look, all the things that I've told you, you may see me die in a little bit, but don't worry, it's going to be okay. Right. Death is not going to keep me from establishing my church. Yeah. So it was a, it was a statement made for those men at that time to help them get through what they were going yes. to go through. And, and a really great passage on that, and I know we're getting too long on this video, is Revelation 1. Mm-hmm. This is the risen Christ who's much later appearing to John on the island of Patmos. Revelation 1, start in 17, and read a couple verses there. Okay. Uh, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. All right. So, see, Jesus came back out of those gates, and he has the keys of those gates, and his resurrection guarantees our resurrection. So that passage kind of helps with the sure. other passage. Helps put, it helps tie it together nicely. So 
Thank you for sending in that question. It was great for us to have the discussion and explore that together. And, and plus, I look way nicer than you do right now. You, you are kind of suit and tied up. So yeah, I'm suit and tie. I'm real, I'm real spit and polish, and he's been crawling through holes in the walls. So. I have. But, so hopefully you out there, uh, we've been... Which has nothing to do with being in the Church of Christ. No, it doesn't. Let's, let's, let's wrap this up. Okay. <laughs> but we, we hope that with all of this, you know, you are seeking, you are looking into things... And you won't automatically assume one thing or another when you're looking at any type of name above the door. Uh, obviously, we feel very strongly that we're doing our best here, you know, speaking for our own selves in the Broadway Church of Christ. And if you're in our area, we'd love for you to join us. But wherever you go, make sure you're digging into the Word on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, search the things up, you know, whether it's something you hear in a class or from a preacher. Read through them. Look at the context of them. Study for yourself. Amen. Yeah. So thanks again, Dan. Thank y'all for watching, and have a good week. Bye. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.